I'd like for you to turn to Psalm 92 this morning. <clears throat> Psalm 92, as we look together at a psalm of praise, and I'm not going to start out reading it because as we go through it, I'm going to be reading most of it for you along the way. We're into that week again, that week that involves turkey and involves dressing and involves cranberry or cranberry sauce that involves football games and family gatherings, and it's a time when we get together sometimes with friends as well, and we vow as we eat and eat and eat that we'll never do it again. It's called Thanksgiving. That's what we call it in America. It's a day when Americans come together and say their collective thank you to the Lord for all of his blessings. Now, while the secular world does this every year and does it with joy, and it's really one of the favorite uh, celebrations and holidays of a lot of people, the secular world says thanks basically one time a year, but the Bible instructs us who follow Christ and who are Christians to do it another way. We have a different policy. It doesn't mention in the scriptures that we are to take a special day and to be thankful but rather, the scripture is full of phrases like this in Ephesians 5.20, where it says, Always give thanks to God, the Father, for everything, and in the name of the Lord Jesus, give him thanks. Or in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, where it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Now, if you ever wondered what God's will for you is, it's a, that's an interesting phrase to trace in the scriptures. You might be amazed to see what is God's will for you. You're always wondering, should I buy this car or that car? Should I rent this home or rent that home or whatever? God's will for you is found in the scriptures. All you have to do is look for it. One of the, one of the wills of God is that you and I give thanks in all circumstances. And then in Colossians 4, 2, it says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So as we read on and on and on in the scriptures, it's amazing how much emphasis is put on you and I being thankful as we go through our day-by-day -day life, and we keep hearing that in the scriptures, and it's saying that we should be doing it all the time, that should be a continuous attitude of thanksgiving that you and I have, not just something that's done here and there. So we got to think about that, because that's, that's something that's a real challenge for us. Uh, we hear that, and we wonder about that, and we think, yeah, that's something we ought to do, but it's really God's will, and it's really, therefore, God's command, and it's something we got to work on. When Paul, later on in the scriptures, as we heard in the scripture reading this morning, says rejoice always, that's not an option, and that takes work. And you're going to see, I have a struggle with it sometimes as well as you have a struggle with it sometimes. But it's something we're to do. It's something that God knows is good for us. Now, we're going to look at Psalm 92 because it helps us understand why the emphasis is that way. And when you begin with verses 1 and 2, it says, It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. So when you look at those two verses, and it becomes very sim uh, simple for us. First of all, it's not, it's not just important that we thank God because he deserves that thanksgiving. 
the scriptures are telling us it's good for us. It's because we have a great God, and when we are thankful, everything changes for us. We're different. And I need the reminder. You see what the scriptures are saying, Thanksgiving, well, that's desirable. That's healthy. That's good for you. That's going to be good for your well-being. But I have to confess, maintaining an attitude of Thanksgiving is not easy. And it often doesn't come natural. In fact, I often get focused on the things that are negative or the disappointments that come, and I get focused sometimes on some of the struggles of life, and I temporarily forget the blessings of God. In fact, there have been times in my life where I've suddenly realized in my personal growth time in the morning, boy, I'm just out of whack. And I get out my three-by-five three cards at that point, and for the next few days, I start writing down every morning five things I'm thankful for for the day before because I need that kind of discipline and I need that kind of direction. And I'm sure this is why the Bible was written this way. It's because our human tendency is to center on the problems of life. And the Bible is continuously reminding us, no, that's not where your focus is to be. It's to be on Thanksgiving. And I have found out this. Something wonderful happens to me when I'm thankful. First of all, Joan knows it. Secondly, when I was raising kids, they knew it. Thirdly, the people around me who I worked with at the church, they picked up on it when my attitude was, some, was something of thanksgiving and, and as I was working on this issue in my life, everyone around me knew it. I was better for it. And my problems even had a way of slipping over to that other side of the ledger and they became not nearly as difficult as I thought they were. I'm a different person. And when I'm a thankful person, I'm a much better person to be with, and so are you. When we're thankful, we're productive. When we're thankful, we're able. When we're thankful, we're acceptable. When we're thankful, we can enter into even difficult discussions with people and come out okay. When we're thankful, God works in our lives in a whole variety of ways, not only for ourselves, but for those around us. So the psalmist is right. It's good. It's healthy. It's delightful to be a thankful person. We gathered in here Thursday afternoon to celebrate the life of Gordon Sunford. There was one thankful person. And everyone in his church said so. Everyone said he was a unique person. Wonderful man. One of the things, one of the qualities he had was thankfulness. It is good. It's good for us. Secondly, gratitude is the mark of a wise and an informed person. This is kind of interesting. We heard it in some scripture that was read this morning. But beginning with verse 4, listen to what the psalmist says. He says, For you make me glad by your deeds, O Lord, and I sing for joy at the works of your hands. How great are your works, O Lord, and how profound are your thoughts. But the senseless man does not know that, and fools do not understand that. Gratitude is the sign of a wise and informed person. I'm not talking about a person with degrees. I'm talking about a person probably with degrees or without degrees, but he's wise. She's wise. And they're informed. 
A person who is wise and informed realizes, according to what the psalmist is saying here, what God provides and how God constantly provides and how God provides for us every minute of our lives. But that wise person also sees how many people go into their lives and provide for them so you and I can just get through our lives. The completely self-made man is an illusion. The wise person realizes a whole lot of things. First of all, he realizes that we are here only because God created us. We're here because God did not choose to live out his being in isolated splendor, but rather he preferred to create human beings who were capable of loving him and capable of having fellowship with him or even capable of rebelling against him. We are here because we have a God who created us in, our own, in his own image. And he gave us life. And he gave us, he gave us loving fellowship. And he gave us the promise that he would be with us forever. We're here because, because we have a God who's given us a personality and created us in his own being and gave us spirit and mind and body. And he gave us even a way to be united with him. And he made it very clear to us that that's the only way we're going to reach our potential and have a life that is fulfilling. We're here because God continues to supply the food we have day by day. We're here because he's provided an annual harvest this year. And by the way, in all the negative news we've been hearing recently, nobody has told us and, and has emphasized the fact that we have had one great harvest this year, so we eat for another year. We're here because God directs the laws of nature to serve you and, to me, and me and to meet our needs. We're here because when God created this world we live in, he created everything he knew that you and I would need, even in our day and age, before he sat down to rest on the seventh day. We're also here because we've had parents who loved us. Some of you are going to struggle with that a little bit. But we're here because we had parents that loved us because when we came into this world, boy, we were pretty blah. We had no way of taking care of ourselves, and we are in debt to a couple of people or maybe one person in some cases that has really reached out to us and cared for us and gave us everything we needed for quite a few years, for a long span of time. Now, the, the interesting thing is imperfect parents are everywhere. And we are also indebted to even imperfect parents. In fact, I haven't met a perfect parent yet in my lifetime. And when those imperfect parents did less than what we think sometimes, we are still indebted for them to them for 18, 19, 20 years, and that number seems to be going up all the time as these kids keep coming home. It is, it's amazing, it is amazing what, what we owe them for meeting all of our needs. It, and it's, it's amazing how this all works out. There was a couple that we knew some time back, and they'd been married for quite a few years, and they had eight kids. And you know, when the eight kids come along, it changes. And they were gathered around Christmas t a Christmas table one time, and they were talking about the past. And the first girl, who's now raising a couple kids of her own, 
shared the story of how mom and dad just fussed over her and took care of her, and she'd cough and they'd go to the doctor, and she'd sneeze and they'd go to the doctor, and so on. The guy who was number eight is listening to this. And he said, boy, it wasn't like that when I came down the pike. He said, one time I swallowed a dime, and Dad said, that's coming out of your allowance. (laughs) It changes, but even imperfect parents, we have a debt to. And we we can only take that debt as we go out through life and realize how indebted we are to them, and as parents try to reach out to our kids and do everything we can for them in return, or if God doesn't give us kids, to reach out to those people he puts on our path as we go through life. We're here because God gives us health and gives us strength for each day, and it's a gift that's never to be taken lightly, for not everybody has the same measure of that gift. I was... um, about 12 or 13 years of age. And I had a grandmother who I loved dearly and um, who I stayed with on a regular basis as I was growing up in life. And she had an elderly woman who was a friend of hers and they were together quite a bit. The day came when because of arthritis, this woman could no longer get out. And we would go sometimes to her apartment and we would visit with her And it was just amazing. She had kind of a sun parlor in that second floor apartment of hers. And she'd take us into that little sun parlor and she would say, look out that window and look at that traffic. That traffic keeps me going. It's tremendous to just watch that day by day. The time came when she couldn't maintain that apartment and she had to go into a nursing home. And uh, we went over to visit with her and... um, Uh, she was in a back room, and the back room had a window in it that looked out over several yards, and uh, there was no traffic there, and there was none of the busyness that kind of kept her going during the course of the day. And I wondered about it, and I wondered if she missed that, and she said, you know, I don't have any traffic here, but I believe I almost like this better because the sweetest children play out in those yards. And she never said a thing about when they were in school. She said, it's just a blessing that God let me see these children and watch them day by day. Well, the time came when she couldn't get out of the bed anymore, and she couldn't get in her wheelchair or any of that. And, and we went over to take her then some food and some things from time to time. And uh, when we got there, it was in a, it was in a terrible neighborhood. And all there were were railroad tracks and weeds and stuff like that outside her windows and outside of her her nursing home. And as a 12 or 13-year-old kid, I thought, wonder what she's going to say. I remembered how she always found something to be thankful for. And when we got into that room, laying on her bed, she says, come on in. And come on in as we knocked on the door and walked in. And she says, come on back here. And she said, let me show you my beautiful view. And she looked up. She said, look at those clouds. She said, just look at the shape of them. Every day, you can't believe what I see as I look at that sky. And she said, you ought to see the stars at night. They're just wonderful. I think it's that woman who probably 
taught me how to be thankful for all things and to be thankful for health and to be thankful for strength and to be thankful to just be able to get up and get going and do a variety of things during the course of each day. We're here because God gives us a work. And that too varies. But somehow you have an ability. Somehow you have a talent. Somehow you have a giftedness that comes straight from God so that you can do a variety of things day by day, to put food on your table. And I, it, it may be that you have a special ability in math. It might be that you have a special ability and you're mechanical and you can do a variety of those kind of things. But it may also be that you just have a strong back. I, I remember every company down through the years that came in with three or four special men and moved our furniture from one place or another, I think we moved four times in our life. And how they did it, and how they worked at it, and how they got us from one place to the other. And every, every moving experience we have has been a positive one, and we were so thankful for those men who came into our life and did that for us. Maybe you've got ability to, to, to learn some basic medical techniques, and you can drive an ambulance. Oh, am I thankful for the three that could do that who got me to a hospital in time and saved my life over and over again. Maybe, maybe you've got another kind of strength and a drive that allows you to get on a UPS truck and to take package after package to, to people in this area and to surprise them sometimes even with gifts and do a variety of other things. I can't tell you how many times we've, we've put those packages on those trucks so our grandchildren could celebrate a birthday and remember that we remembered them and had something special for them. Maybe you have enough intelligence or wisdom to design a cell phone. Just think what that's done for all of us as we've lived out our lives in these days. And, and, and you've designed that, and we don't even know who that person is, but just think they're behind all that, and God gave them the understanding and the wisdom and the scientific mind to put all that together. How amazing that is. And I don't know where your level is, but if you've got a strong back and that's how God uses you, or if you've got a mind that can put a cell phone together and God uses you that way, however it is, if you can put food on your table, you've got a lot to be thankful for. And we're here because of God gifting and helping each one of us do those things. We're here because we have a shelter, some place to call home. It might be a house. It might be an apartment. It might be another kind of facility, but we're here because God has provided for us. Not one of us are homeless. And God's blessed us because of that. And let me share something else with you. If you were living in Russia today, and you were in an apartment today, something you may not know is that every apartment in Russia has a heating unit, but it's not where you can turn it on in your apartment. It's in another location, and the basement of those apartments and the government official comes in and decides when to turn it on and it hasn't been turned on yet this year you'd be living without heat if you live there and we're here because others at great cost have paved the way we didn't create this this land we live in we didn't create this culture we live in 
There were dreamers who came to these shores one day and gave us a start, and there's been doers who have maintained it all down through the years. We have not been involved in any of the ancient or even the modern discoveries and inventions, but look at what we have today, and it all has to do with others. Others have helped us. Others have helped us get through life. Hundreds of people minister to us almost daily. Sometimes it's neighbors, sometimes it's family, sometimes it's friends, sometimes it's people we don't even know. In the morning I get up and one of the things I have to do is take a pill that keeps my heart beating at the same rate all the time. There's a lot of scientists behind that pill. There's a few pharmacists behind that pill. There's a few doctors behind that pill. There are people I don't even know that may be like you and like me who make that pill and put it together somewhere. And oh, am I dependent on them. Well, the scripture says the senseless man doesn't understand. He thinks he's a self-made man. He's not. The wise and the informed person sees all that God provides and sees everything that others around us are providing to make our lives possible as well. Well, as we go down, beginning with verse 5 and then to verse 8, we see that gratitude is also the mark of a spiritually sensitive person. Now, there's an implication in all of this, and I think it's important for us to see this. If it is good to give thanks to the Lord, then quite obviously, it's a bad thing to hold back the gratitude. And when the Apostle Paul is talking about stages in a man's descent, when it comes to his life and his descent from God, from a true knowledge of God, he's talking about it in Romans 1, for instance. And when he does that, he's saying a spirit of thanklessness leads to an inability to even understand God and all the other sin that you and I get into. For instance, Romans 1, verse 21 if you read that, he says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him, nor did they give thanks to him. Guess, guess what the result was? The result, it goes on to say, is their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened, and although they claimed to be wise, they ended up just simply being fools. And then he goes on to say, you see, we, we are everything we were created to be when our faith and our trust is in Almighty God. And as it says in verse 8, the psalmist understood that, so he gets to a point where he says, the evildoers are all around me, and, and it almost seems like sometimes they flourish, like the CEOs that we see flourishing sometimes today. But he says, you, O Lord, are exalted forever. These are challenging times for us. We are discovering something we should have known all along. Life doesn't bring us everything we want. That's kind of the way it was here when this psalm was written. When you get to verse, if you want to have an exercise this afternoon, read verse 6 and right through the end of the chapter, and you find out the times were very similar to the times that we're in right now. And there were a few men who prospered who were not even spiritual men who gave God no credit like there are a few men doing that today in spite of the conditions we're in. But the psalmist is saying we, we've got to move away from that and understand how our trust has to be in Almighty God. Jesus understood the issue. 
That's why in Matthew 6, he begins to explain something that's very important to us because he says, I got to share with you a, a thing I'm picking up as I walk through this, this journey on the earth. Jesus says, I'm finding out that there's a spirit where there isn't trust. There's a spirit where there isn't thanksgiving. There's a spirit where even people who are supposedly following after God just aren't realizing who God is and what he does in their life. And he says those people tend to then see and then concentrate on what they don't have. And he made it very clear. He says they're always worrying. They're worrying about today. They're worrying about tomorrow. They're worrying about the things they have. They're worrying about the things they need. And he says they're even worrying out loud sometimes because they're the ones who go around asking, what are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? What are we going to drink? What are we, how are we going to retire? And then he has a loaded statement. He says, we tend to run after, run after all these things. So Jesus proposes an alternative. He says, I want to remind you, if you're in that state, if you're wondering about it all, all the time, if you're not trusting all the time, I want to remind you something that's very basic and very simple. Your heavenly Father knows. Knows everything you need. So Jesus says, you'd be better off if you would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and by the way, as you do that, all the things you need will be given to you. Notice, it's all the things you need, not all the things we think we need. No, Jesus invites us to narrow our focus away from all those things we're chasing today and also all those things that are tearing us up in the process as we chase after them and saying, no, move toward the kingdom of God and rather understand that you have a heavenly Father who knows who you are and where you are and what you need and he's going to meet every basic need you have. Jesus calls for a radical shift. And we bulk at his narrow focus. Because we want, as Soren Kierkegaard said a lot of years ago, we want the worldly ideal. We want all the variety we can get our hands on. We want all the constant change. We want a multitude of things, and we want a lot of hustle. And he says, what the interesting thing is, I found out most of that, if not all of that, leads to emptiness. Jesus understood that. And he understands our thinking, and he understands how the world gets a handle on us at times, and he, he understands how we get confused traveling in a world like this when everybody else is chasing stuff too. But he won't give up on you, and he won't give up on me. So he steps in to that crowd he was with back there in Matthew 6, and he calls to himself his people, and he says, yes, count on it, we're going to meet your needs. But even more... I'm going to work in your life to do what you were created and what you were recreated to do. And that was to seek first the kingdom of God. Why? Because that's where the peace comes from. That's where we get what we really need. You go down to verse 12, it says, that's where we finally get to a point where we can flourish. That's where we can be 
like cedars and become stable as we live out our lives. Verse 14 says that's where we do something worthwhile and we actually bear fruit in a world like ours and we grow in grace and become spiritually alive. And that is what's really satisfying because that's where we get our strength. That's where we get our peace. That's where we get our answers. That's where we get our wisdom. And that's where we get our unconditional love. So Jesus says, listen up. Rather than run around doing all that multitasking you're doing, incessantly, trying to keep up with the world around you, and get and get and get whatever you can with a life out of control and fragmented in all kinds of ways, but seldom satisfied or at peace or confident, wake up and realize... You're in the hands of a father who knows everything you need. And turn instead to making that your focus and, 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 and work on this whole area of being grateful with all of God's gifts and all of God's presence and begin to discover anew the wondrous love and the presence of Jesus Christ in your life and renew your trust in Christ and follow him. And we sang about it when we first opened the service and in the middle of the service, how important it is to be thankful for even just Jesus Christ, our resurrected Savior, and the one who brought us our forgiveness and our strength and our faith and loved us dearly and deeply. There's another Psalm, 116. It's just loaded with uh, thanksgiving and praise. But in the middle of that psalm, the psalmist asks a very interesting question. He says, how can I adequately become thankful in my life toward God? And when you get to verse 13, evidently he's figured out the answer because he says, I figured it out. I'm going to lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. So he says, oh yeah, I realize all this is from God. God does take care of me. God does provide. God does give me everything I need for each day. God is working in my life. God knows me by name. God loves me tremendously. How do I, how do I say thank you? He says, God has told me to take and enjoy my salvation. And that's how God is honored. And that's how God is blessed. He, he finds his answer when he says, I have to just realize all that God has offered me in, in, in my salvation. Isn't it amazing? You and I run after all kinds of things. You and I sin every day of our lives. You and I fall short of the glory and the expectations of God. Our sin has cut us off from God until we came to Jesus Christ. But isn't this the amazing part? All of that goes on, and what does God do? Does he cut us off? No, he sends his only son. He sends his best. He sends Jesus Christ to share his love with us, to let us know that he hasn't given up on us, to let us know, yeah, we deserve punishment, but he's going to forgive us, and that Jesus will take the punishment for us, and Jesus will pay for the sin, and Jesus will actually reconcile us to God and bring us into the family of God. And Jesus, after he does all that, is going to say to you and to me, come and keep coming and keep coming, because I want to meet every need you have, and my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And when I believe that, when I accept that offer, I have forgiveness, and I'm clean. 
and I discover who I am, and I discover why I'm here, and I discover what's important in life. But I also then am born into the family with the Father who says, I'll give you everything you need. It's a good thing to give thanks, for it's the secret of every situation we get into in life. Unfortunately, we often do the opposite. We count our misfortunes. We count our disappointments. And the things we would like to do and we can't do, we share that with our friends over and over again. And the result is we end up being miserable people. Even though we are in the world's affluent minority. Paul says in Thessalonians, be joyful always. That takes work. And then he says, pray continuously and give thanks, not for everything. That's impossible. Your house burns down, you don't give thanks. He says, give thanks in, not for everything. Because that, he says, is God's will for us. The God who is good cares for us deeply. The God who is, who is creating a people of joy and a city of joy, the God who's not going to create shriveled up, shrill, ungrateful people, but a people of joy who can make a difference in a world like ours. The God who is working with those kind of people that are just like us, who want to be forgiven, who want to be loved, who want to be cared for, who want to have someone watching over them, who want to have purpose, who want to have wisdom, who want to have strength beyond their own, who want to have acceptance and joy. God's working in those people. And when he works in those people and he brings us into his kingdom, then, then we have an impact on others who also come into the kingdom. Twice after our Congress passed the financial bailout, I heard on the news a quote that I thought was just tremendous and so fitting. Evidently, Rick Warren said it first. It's his prescription for our relationship with God, regardless of the circumstances. And Rick has gone through three or four very tough years with a lot of cancer in his family and a lot of other things that he very seldom ever talks about. But he says, this is how I live. In the happy moments, I praise God. In the difficult moments, I seek God. In the quiet moments of life, I worship God. In the painful moments, I trust God. In every moment, I thank God. Friday morning, I was with a man of wealth. He's got a lot more than probably any of us in this room. And as we were sharing together, he's lost, he's lost an awful lot in the last couple of months. And his business is, even though he's been so faithful and good, is very close to going down the tubes. And he said, the, one, the main thing that has happened to me is I've learned what Paul told Timothy these last two months. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we could take nothing out of it, but if we have food and clothing, 
we will be content with that. Oh, that we get that. Because then we will know the unconditional love of God. And then we will have something to offer a world that's really in tough shape right now. Let's pray. God, we confess that we do not thank you near as much as we should. And God, we confess we see little of what you do for us or we take it for granted. And we need to ask you for our forgiveness, for your forgiveness. We need to ask you for, for your patience with us because, yes, we are gradually becoming aware of a lot of things in our life as we go through these kind of tough times because we know you're shaping us in a whole different way and you're moving us in a whole different direction and you're going to make us a people who really do trust you and don't just say that. God, we want that. Some of us are going to be tougher to deal with than others. But God, do it. Just do it. Because we want the grace, we want the peace, we want the strength, we want the unconditional love and all the stuff you bring into a life fully trusting in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.